Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Purple Insider is presented by Oakley. Express yourself. Build a look that's made for you. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Try it for yourself. Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality. So head on over to oakley.com for more information today. forgot to put on the shade <laughs> tonight's events yes the show is still presented by oakley sunglasses and uh you know it's an interesting time of year jonathan because we're in a little bit of a break here for a couple of weeks and you never know when nfl news can break or when an nfl player such as tyreek hill can make the news himself uh as he did today so you know that's what's going on but it is funny that when you flip over to NFL network or you follow the NFL network or ESPN. And it's sort of like, will Aaron Rodgers win 13 games with the jets? <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there is some time to talk about that now since there is no other real news items to discuss. So earlier in the week on the podcast, talk to Mike clay about his projections. It's also projection season. And uh, you know, so there's, there's some fun things that we can get into. But I also had some fun scrolling through the pro football talk headlines. And that's another, I mean, for me, (laughs) this is a fun time of year because anybody who says anything anywhere becomes a pro football talk headline. And then also on Twitter, there are a lot of accounts who are very desperate for continued engagement. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if Twitter is paying these days for engagement for likes and retweets does not seem that they are, but some people certainly act like those things uh, pay out and try to come up with the most absurd takes that you can find. Um, And uh, there's a good one that I want to bring up that I was laughing at today. And it's just my reason to stay on social media. There's no other actual reason to stay on social media except for how funny it is. So Uh, But if you listen back to um, the show from the other day with Mike Clay from ESPN, or if you read the newsletter or just exist in the fantasy world at all, we uh, talked, I mean, you know who Mike Clay is, right? He's one of the top guys out there. And every year him and I get together in June and we go through his projections for the Vikings, which I think is a really fun thing to do, kind of get the fantasy perspective. But one of the things that he does that is really funny is and and I don't mean it's sort of like uh, the Goodfellas funny how well like funny as in that no one else does this and I love it Uh, he projects every defensive player as well like how many tackles (laughs) snap counts like you're psychotic but that's the best and that's why he comes on the show and so we went through a bunch of those things on the show and in the article 
kind of breaking down every one of his projections. And I was curious, Jonathan, because I know that you saw it. What of uh, one of his per- projections or a multiple, if you have it, stuck out to you as the most wrong? And I always pick on him about the fullbacks, the depth receivers, <laughs> the like, really? You think that Troy Dye is only going to get like 76 snaps this year? That's interesting. I'd give him a hard time about that because those players are incredibly difficult to project what they'll do in small samples and so forth. But after looking through them, did you have one or multiple projections for the Vikings that you thought, eh, I don't know, man, this one could be way off? I think... I don't know that any are really that far off because Mike Clay does incredible work, not just with the Vikings, but with all 32 teams, which is incredible to be able to do and be able to cover all of them and do these kind of projections like that, as you guys talked about on the podcast the other day. But I think for me, the one that stuck out the most was Jordan Addison getting 766 yards. Cause if that, if that happens and we talked about this, what two, three weeks ago on this podcast, that if that happens, you've got yourself a pretty good wide receiver and you've got yourself kind of a receiver that went above and beyond probably what you would have expected out of him this season. And if he gets 766 yards, five touchdowns, uh, 57 catches with the other pieces that are on this offense, that one stuck out to me the most because I think we talked about, and you kind of convinced me that 500 yards, five, 600 yards is probably a good bar for where you should expect him to be in his rookie season and especially considering he hasn't had a whole lot of off-season activity, training camp time, or practice because of the injury or whatever they're holding him out for. Um, yeah, as you're bringing it up. Uh, I think that there one stood out to me the most uh, was Jordan Addison getting that many yards. And for me, TJ Hawkinson not busting over 100 receptions, considering he was kind of on pace to do that already this last season in the minimal time he had with the Vikings. Getting getting him a little bit closer, I think, would have jumped out to me. I also do like Nick Mullins getting a game, two touchdowns, one interception, <laughs> almost 300 yards in that one game. That's it's pretty good, pretty good uh, turnout for the backup quarterback. You're you're doubting uh, Nick Mullins' single game performance stepping in <laughs> in a week 18. I I think that's very unfair. So yes, on the screen right now are Mike Clay's projections. If you hadn't seen them, but all you have to do is Google Mike Clay projections, yeah. and you will get this uh, along with everybody else. The, the one that I would question, I, I think that going um, with the TJ Hawkinson pick, expecting more, and think about how high the bar is there yeah. to expect more when he's listed with this stat line as the third best tight end. And yet I also have that in my mind of, man, Kirk could be going to TJ Hawkinson all the time. I guess where I was focusing a little bit is the running backs, because I think that they are the least known of Mm -hmm. all these things. And Jordan Addison, of course, is an unknown as well, but we know Jefferson Osborne Hawkinson, we could kind of whittle down the target share to either Addison is going to get something like that, or he's going to take, you know, targets away from Osborne and Hawkinson, or they're going to get more because he gets less. And those are the only real options, but with the running back position, I think Madison is going to end up with 200 plus carries and he is going to be their three down type of guy. But the battle between Wong Wu Chandler, and I don't know if Dwayne McBride is going to be in this battle or not. I mean, seventh round pick, a lot of times those guys, you know, who knows whether they even make the team get on the field. Um, If the Vikings don't love what they see, they might go out and get another running back. It really depends with him. I think it was a reasonable draft pick, if not a good draft pick for somebody that draft analysts liked 
And if you watch his highlight reel, it's very likable. Um, but that doesn't mean he can play NFL running back right away coming from UAB. So to me, it's Wong Wu versus Ty Chandler. And basically with this projection, it's like, I don't know. And that's the correct way to approach it. Mm -hmm. But it has the potential to be the most wrong. And I think that both of those guys have the skill, the talent to make it very wrong. So right now he's got 270 yards for Wong Wu and 305 for Ty Chandler. But if either one of those guys breaks through and starts taking carries away from Alexander Madison, both of them have home run potential, especially Kenny Wong Wu. Well, I mean, he's immediately one of the fastest running backs in the NFL as soon as he touches the football. And he does have at least enough experience over the last three years that he should have by now picked up how to play running back. And I guess when it comes to last year, um, I, I do think that there's something to like, they didn't trust him to put on the field and maybe they should have, but there's also just that Delvin cook always ate up all of the carries all the time. And now there should be much more patience. If Kenny Wong Wu has to learn on the job a little bit, this should go for just about anyone, but also I don't want to downplay Ty Chandler and how well he did in training camp and preseason. These guys could actually make for some very exciting battles that I, I don't know how much uh, Kevin O'Connell is going to play the starters when it comes to preseason, but he might have to kind of play significant players because there's battles to be solved in the secondary and at the running back position, uh, wide receiver, backup wide receiver. And that's another one that could end up being wrong. If you uh, squint at Jalen Rager and he's only got five catches, I, I think that one has the potential. So it's not really like, where is Mike Clay wrong? And you know, Mike Clay is awesome to us on the show. So that's not what we're trying to do. We're more of saying like, what could change there? significantly. And I think that that's probably the biggest spot is if Wong Wu or Ty Chandler takes off, either one of those guys have the potential to, I don't know if they will entirely take the job away from Madison, but have the potential to be in a legit rotation. Probably all three of them aren't going to be in a rotation, yeah. but at least two. Yeah. And you've seen going back and looking at some of the Rams offensive numbers over the years that when they didn't have that number one guy, they they really split those carries between their backs. They never really let anybody get over those 200 yards. So if one of those guys steps up and shows that they can handle a bigger load than what they did last season or than what they allowed Alexander Madison to do last season, that there should, there could be a significant amount of carries taken away from Madison. And that could equal Madison dropping down to 600 yards and one of those guys popping up to four or 500 yards on the season. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with you there that, uh, that's the position that could change the most based off of what the, either of those two guys do in the preseason and in training camp. And on the defensive side, uh, I don't have to pull it back up, but he only has a uh, one fourth of a sack for Harrison Smith, which is a funny thing that you have to do <laughs> if you're projecting is like percentages of interceptions or sacks. Like, so you're leaning slightly toward, he doesn't get a sack. I think Harrison Smith gets like four sacks this year. Yeah that they're going to blitz him a lot. He's going to play at the line of scrimmage a lot. And I don't know how bold that necessarily is because of who the defensive coordinator is, but if they move on from Daniel Hunter, they're going to have to be blitzing all the time, sending all sorts of different people from different places, which could result in seeing Harrison Smith get a lot of sacks. The other thing is too, that at this moment, I do think they're going to use Josh Metellus a lot. 
And, you know, Mike and I talked about that a little bit on the show, just about how hard it is to figure out where Lewis Seen fits in, but he's only got 140 snaps for Josh Metellus. I think that this franchise really likes Josh Metellus. He was great on special teams last year. He's a versatile player. He's a, he's a very intelligent guy. I mean, that's really important at that safety position. We were talking about this out on the practice field about how different positions require different things. Everyone has to be smart in the NFL. If you're not, you're just not going to figure out what to do out there and you're going to look like a fool. Uh, But when it comes to safety, I think it's a really high IQ requirement position because there's just a lot asked. There's different places you have to play, single high, two deep, different alignments that you have to play, a lot that you have to understand in terms of route combinations. And a lot of times we see smarts kind of supersede athleticism when it comes to that position. Anthony Harris is the ultimate example that kind of sharpened my eye to that idea. But I also think that Andrew Sandejo had a really good understanding of football as well and was another guy that fit in really well with Harrison Smith. So, I I mean, I guess I wouldn't be completely shocked if Josh Metellus not only plays a role, but could he compete to start? Uh, Is him and, you know, Cam Bynum going to keep Lewis seen on the bench? Like you, I guess we are kind of deferential to first round draft picks at the same time. It wasn't Brian Flores's pick. So he's going to play whoever he wants to play. And that gives the potential And right now. And since I took it off the screen, I'll just read it to you uh, with um, snap counts. He's got obviously Harrison Smith playing like every snap and Bynum starting with him. Lewis seen 465 and Josh Metellus 141. Uh, I think those splits might actually change. They might actually yeah. flip. In the ideal scenario, Lewis Seen would be playing, you know, something like 500 or more snaps or maybe just straight out wins the job and then takes off and becomes a star. But if that doesn't happen, he could end up not seeing uh, a ton of the field. So that that is uh, this is a year. I don't know how you see this, Jonathan, but a lot of times in training camp battles, we've been like. Oh, who is cornerback number five? And, and this year is very different from that. I, I think that this year has the most training camp battles since I started covering the Vikings in 2016. Well, yeah, you have the entire cornerback room. Who's going to, who's going to get the starting roles. Who's going to be the backup. Who's going to be the nickel corner. They've that entire room is basically a battle going forward. Uh, and as you said, it seems like this team really does like Josh Metellus. You heard what Quasey said to Peter Schrager, uh, viewing him as kind of that the unsung hero of this team uh, this season. And with where that that depth chart looked going into last year before Lewisine's injury, uh, it seemed like Lewisine had a mountain to climb to get above Bynum and Metellus. So if that hasn't changed, if if what they've seen in the mini camps and OTAs, and I know you can't really take too much stock from those, but from everything that you were saying and that everything that we've we heard and read, it seems like that's still kind of the the pecking order for safeties is that same thing where Lewis seems behind those two guys. And uh, that's not a good sign for their first ever draft pick, but here we are a, a year and a half later and we're still talking and we're talking about Lewis seen struggling to get on the field. So that that's definitely a battle. You've got the linebackers too. Who's going to, who's going to take the reins there. Yeah. Like you said, it seems, especially on the defensive side, it seems like everybody in the defense is fighting for a position. Whereas on the offense, it seems pretty much settled outside of that running back room. Everybody's kind of settled. Maybe wide receiver three, the bat, or the depth chart in that part of the offense could be up for battle. But everybody on the defense seems like they're fighting for a spot, and there's a whole lot to be grabbed there. And Brian Flores has a lot to 
to kind of weed through in the, the three, the, the month long training camps that they have coming up. Folks, I know you have heard me talk a ton about my Oakley sunglasses this summer, but the more I wear them, the more I like them. I went on a little summer vacation and spent a ton of time outside in the sun, and let me tell you, before these, I had to squint even when I had sunglasses on. But these matte black prism sapphire polar sunglasses protected my eyes, and I think I looked pretty great as well. I was able to stay outside for hours rather than getting beaten down by the sun like I have in the past, and now I am confident that when training camp comes around, I will be able to keep both eyes on all the positional battles. Oakley is changing the game, and it's time for you to discover a whole new world of possibilities. They are suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses, allowing to be an extension of yourself, an expression of your personality, more than meets the eye. So make a sunglasses upgrade today at oakley.com. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What is that, you ask? It is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. And if you want to know more, you can do your own research at oakley.com. When you wear Oakley, there is more than meets the eye. Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality as well. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Oakley, express your style and build a look that's made for you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I'm not like in hurry up and get to training camp mode because um, I'm going to enjoy the summer uh, as I, you know, (laughs) play a little golf here before things get really intense. But I am really looking forward to these camp battles because there have been times in years past where if you fell asleep at the wheel on the sideline during a training camp practice, it wouldn't really matter because everything was basically (laughs) resolved. I truly like maybe it's a big day against San Francisco last year or when Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion had their one chance with cousins out with COVID last year and neither one of them rose to the occasion at all. And then they both ended up getting cut. (laughs) So there will be notable practices along the way, but I think that this year is going to require more concentration. Who's making the catches? How are the coaches responding to the players? Who's getting the snap counts, all those things at a little bit of a higher level than they have been in the past because so many of those positions were just resolved from the minute that they started training camp. And that's not going to be the case now, which also makes, you know, projections harder uh, to make at the very beginning. And those will obviously change quite a bit. Uh, Ryan asks, am I stupid for having some optimism about Rager having a full season and off season in the system? He was brutal in spot play, but can he be a big play threat or is he a lost cause? So my thing with that is Jalen Rager was traded for right before the season. TJ Hawkinson was traded for on a Tuesday of a game week on the road. TJ Hawkinson went to Washington, caught like nine passes and got his blocking assignments right and looked great. I have no excuses for the he needed a full offseason type of thing. Usually if a team is trading away a first round draft pick for almost nothing, 
there is a reason for that. And they're always going to the coaches kind of be positive until they no longer can, which is, we heard that with Laquan Treadwell a lot of times, not that Mike Zimmer subscribed to that, but most normal coaching staffs <laughs> will be like, yeah, you know, he's coming along, he's figuring it out and you know, he's, we're bringing him along and so forth. And he just needed a full off season. But anytime the coaches have to make excuses for a player, I start to really question it. Now, I personally think that Jalen Rager should be in the running back battle. I, I look at his body and I look at his skills and I think the guy, it's not Cordero Patterson, who is a total freak, but the guy is good with the football in his hands. He could run people over. You remember the special teams coach, Matt Daniels, describing his body in a very not safe for work way. He was very <laughs> excited about his body because he really is like strong and quick. I think he's a guy that should be in the backfield as a running back because I just don't know that he can get the details of playing wide receiver. And I don't think a full offseason is going to make any difference. He didn't do that in Philadelphia. He tracked the ball very poorly down the field in Philadelphia. And we saw the same thing last year, not necessarily the ball tracking because I think they threw one deep pass to him. But just even when he was asked in very small samples to do receiver stuff, and I think it resulted in a pick six against Indianapolis when he actually had to be out there. I, I don't know that there's much trust for him. I also think that they brought in a lot of UDFA receivers and they've got more competition. They should be excited about what they've seen in very small samples from Jalen Naylor. I just don't see a reason to kind of carry this on, except for maybe they know they have to eat the entire dead cap hit. And that's a reason to create more cap space with releasing, um, you know, Delvin Cook and trading Zedarius Smith because you might have to eat that at some point. I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. And I, I, that excuse, it's hard if you get traded to a new team, but it's hardly impossible by week 10. I mean, after he'd had the bye week and everything else, he's still not getting on the field. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's a reason for that. Uh, Jason says Rager and Wong Wu will not be on the 53 man roster week one. They will both be beat out by others. Well, I agree with you on one of them and strongly disagree on the other. Ken A. Wong Wu is one of the three best kick returners in the league. And I should just continue to clarify that the new rules do not mean Ken A. Wong Wu doesn't return kicks anymore. Ken A. Wong Wu will return kicks. It only means that if you're a horrible kick returner, you can call for fair catch and get the ball to 25, which is a joke. It is completely yeah. ridiculous so that, dumb. You, that you allow teams to get that benefit and, and not have good kick returners. But Wong Wu, if they kick to him, he will return it because he could take it back for a touchdown. So even if he it just completely stinks it up in this training camp battle, which I don't really expect him to do with the experience that he has. And also the opportunity here in front of him, he was with the second team and the first team mixing in with Madison and Chandler was behind him in minicamp. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot yet, but that is the way that it, it was playing out in minicamp so far. And also, I mean, the, right now they have a full running back room they would have to bring in somebody else and then be so unhappy with Wong Wu that they didn't even want his great kick returning. Are you going to give his kick returning to somebody else? Probably not. Rager, though, there is a good chance that Jalen Rager is not on the team uh, because they end up looking at it and just want to keep somebody else as a depth wide receiver and find no purpose for that. And it does kind of bring up the... Like, do you remember any good trades right before the season that the Vikings have ever made? 
I mean, they've brought in some guys off waivers and stuff. I remember uh, Super Bowl champion Blake Bell was once brought in and he didn't really play for the Vikings, but became sort of a player for Kansas City later in his career. Tremaine Brock, Kari Vedvik, Chris Herndon, Ross Blacklock. The the names are not very uh, inspiring. And I think that you you just once your team is set, your team is set. If you mess around too much, you're probably just going to end up wasting future draft capital. And I think that's the case for Rager. Am I missing somebody though? I mean, unless you're arguing like Sam Bradford, I guess was a yeah, that's the only one I guy. can right. That's the only one I can think of that had any modicum of success, and he still went what eight and seven that se- that season. So I don't know, I, or seven and eight or whatever it was. I, I don't know. I I like. I think I agree with you that. Once you're at that point, once you're into the end of July and you're getting into train opening training camp, there's no reason to mess with your roster and make a big trade like that because it just it it makes it seem like you're questioning what you did the entire rest of the offseason. You're it seems like you're kind of trying to make good for what you didn't do for the last five months. And that's probably not a good sign for what your season has in store for you or flail at filling an injury yeah. spot, which was the Chris Herndon thing, but they didn't have to do that because yeah. he, I, I like the way Harrison Smith put this when he did his press conference and we're like, Harrison, are you going to survive with players leaving? And he was like, it's not like they didn't replace him with anyone. <laughs> like there are, there are <laughs> other people yeah. and that's, but that's why you have to build a deep roster. I, I was listening to a podcast with um, Steve Palazzolo and uh, I think it was Greg Rosenthal, the NFL.com guy. And he was talking about, like, if you want to be a great team, you probably have to have 40 really good to great players, or at least like good average to above average to great. And that's one way to look at it. I mean, you also have to have usually Hall of Fame level talents if you're going to win a Super Bowl. But if you're going to go deep in the playoffs, you have to have like beyond the 22 starters, you probably have to have a whole other layer of good players or the best injury luck in the history of the entire yeah. NFL, which the Vikings had in t- 2017 where they didn't lose any players on defense. But even if they had, they had depth on that team where you could go a layer down on the offensive line. They had some decent backup offensive linemen. You could go a layer down on the defensive line. They had a few guys who could fill in and play, not necessarily for, you know, Everson Griffin or whatever, but actually, no, they did because Griffin was out in a game against Washington and B-Rob was in. So that's the whole point. If you're going to be a great team, you got to go at least one layer down from the starters and have good players. And um, that's not really the case for the Vikings now when we're not even sure who their starters are going to be. But that's that's kind of one way that I've started to look at kind of roster construction and what you actually need. I forget what the point there was, but I thought that was a really <laughs> a really interesting way of looking at building a roster and what it takes to actually be successful. Uh, Derek asked the question. Don't tell me what the question was because I've already lost it. It's already in the past and we don't talk about the past. Um, so, uh, Derek says, do you guys really think Justin Jefferson would play this year without a new contract? Seems okay right now, but I'm not too sure. Yeah. Oh, he's playing for sure. He's playing. That's 100%. No question about it. Justin Jefferson will play if he does not sign a contract extension because he has zero leverage not to play. All he would be doing is just getting fined. Um, that the Vikings have all the leverage because that's the CBA. And the CBA is not kind to the players. It's probably one of the worst CBAs in professional sports. Mm-hmm. But um, in this case, it benefits your team. So I guess you can uh, respect it. But if he were to hold out, he would just be sitting there getting fined over and over and over again. 
the if you have a great rookie that you draft in the first round, you can control that guy way beyond what his actual contract is for. His contract is for four years, but you get a fifth year option and you could franchise him theoretically twice. I mean, by the rules three times, but the third time ends up becoming like the highest paid salary and then some. Uh, so usually you don't want to do that, but you can draft someone fifth year option, then franchise tag them. You can hold on to them for a long time. We are nowhere near that with Justin Jefferson. He doesn't even have to sign a contract right now. Uh, he could wait until a whole another year and then sign it then. I think that's what's happening with Nick Bosa right now. He could have signed last year, played out last year. Of course, he's the defensive MVP, so <laughs> helps his case a little. And then he can sign now if he hasn't already. I haven't been tracking his contract situation, but this happens all the time where guys, just because you're eligible to sign an extension doesn't mean that you're on the cusp of either signing the extension or losing him. If the Vikings don't get an extension signed with him through even next year, they will enact the fifth year option, which they already have, by the way, they've already exercised it, but they would actually have to use it as opposed to just having an extension. And then after that, they would franchise tag him. So, I mean, I, I don't think that there's any chance you're losing him anytime soon. It's really just, if you get to that point where you're using the fifth year option and talking about the franchise tag, then it starts to get ugly then it starts to get to that discussion of like, well, is he going to try to force his way out? That's why the best option for him is a short-term deal. So he could leave if he wanted to after a couple of years, but there's yeah. And uh, you know, Derek says his first three years have been unprecedented. And what I'm saying is like, that's fantastic. Um, but it doesn't matter. And it, what matters is yeah. the CBA. That's, that's what matters. And in this case, uh, Derek says all rules don't apply to everyone. No, they actually do. Um, in this case, they do. In this case, the rules actually do apply to everyone who's a first round pick that the Vikings have all of the leverage in this situation. If he sits out, they will just let him sit out, especially in a year where you're rebuilding. They would let him sit out and they would find yeah. him and find him and find him and he will run out of money. I mean, the, the thing with Daniel Hunter is that he skips a mandatory minicamp and drops 50K. Now to you and I, Jonathan, dropping That's 50K a lot. would be not great. But to Daniil Hunter, the guy made 20 million in cash last year because he is not on his first contract. Justin Jefferson does not, not, not only that, but it's not worth it. It's just not worth yeah. it. Like go out, play, have success, continue your superstardom, and then uh, the contract will come. So uh, I'm not saying that it's going to all work out beautifully with uh, roses and flowers. If it gets past week one, I'm going to be a little concerned about what next year looks like because then it could start get a little dicey, but he's not doing it this year. Uh, anyway, so Jonathan, I had teased at the beginning of the show a tweet that I saw that was <laughs> this just is ridiculous. Just too good. Just too good. <laughs> and the reason that I continue to have Twitter is just stuff like this. A Packers fan who sort of like covers the team covers the team ish. Like, I don't, I don't know what does covers the team mean anymore. Like, I don't think this is like a reporter. I think it's just like a fan who started a thing. So, you know, I don't know, whatever, but a Packers content creator said, said that uh, Christian Watson has a higher ceiling than Justin Jefferson. And I thought at first, like, okay, man, I like a good troll as much as anybody else. It's like when, you know, that it's like that meme about, 
Steph Curry's not a good shooter or whatever. It's like, right. I, I, I like there, there's a reporter out of Philadelphia who does this intentionally all the time. He'll tweet out some totally preposterous take. So everybody quote tweets him and then he laughs about it. I like that bit. That's a funny bit. This apparently wasn't a bit, or at least didn't seem that way by the responses from this person to other people. So he actually thinks that Christian Watson has a quote higher ceiling than Justin Jefferson, to which I would say, I don't think you understand how anything works with football or ceilings or football. So anyway, not the point though, not the point, just funny, but it did make me think about ceilings and players who are not currently rookies because that's all they are is potential right now. So guys who are not currently rookies, but we feel that they have not reached their ceiling yet. So who comes to mind for you for players that you could actually say they have a ceiling and Christian Watson is one of them. It's just not Justin Jefferson because um, no one is Justin Jefferson, but who comes to mind for you players who still have ceilings yet to potentially reach. I'm going to go with kind of an easy one right off the bat. Trevor Lawrence. He had, he took that step last year and we talked about it a couple months ago and kind of fell on that band or jumped on that bandwagon. Uh, went nine and eight this last season, 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, only eight interceptions in his second year, which is a great leap. Uh, helps to have a good head coach instead of the joke that is Urban Meyer in his first season. So Trevor Lawrence, I think, is getting close, uh, or he's actually finally, finally starting to get towards uh, getting to his ceiling, whereas opposed to his rookie year, he wasn't anywhere near because he just didn't have the infrastructure around him. The, the support staff around him just wasn't good enough for him to get there. So Trevor Lawrence jumped out right away to me in this conversation because he took that step last year, as I said, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions, getting there towards that, uh, towards the ceiling that we all expected of him after watching four years of him in college, just dominating the ACC, dominating college football for those four seasons, and then being drafted number one overall. Uh, that's the one that stepped out right away to me. Um, I, it's weird to say, but I think Justin Jefferson's there. He's only in year three. And yeah, he had 1,800 yards, but this guy is 24 years old, only in year three. What else can he do uh, other than just get better? I mean, he's he hasn't maxed out his potential. I mean, when we get to age 27, 28, then maybe. But right now, he can still get better. He can still add things to his game. And I think that's really exciting as a Vikings fan. But I, he's getting close to his ceiling, but I still think there's still more growth there within Justin Jefferson to reach that. So those are the two that jumped out right away. I mean, I could just keep going through draft classes and just picking out guys, but those are the two guys that at least when I read the question immediately popped out to me, you know, with Jefferson, I think when you're a superstar player of that level, you have to keep getting better in order mm -hmm. to have the same results. And I was watching a Mike Tomlin presentation to his team. And he talked about how the expectation for every player is that they continue to get better every year. And so now what Justin Jefferson saw in the last uh, half of the season, really the last quarter of the season, is you go to his last three games and he was, what, like 30 yards, 15 yards, 40 yards in the playoffs, that teams are going to cover him in preposterous ways, <laughs> in ways that, you know, we've only really seen from Kelvin Johnson, Julio Jones, like the all-time great wide receivers. Mm -hmm. And so I think with Jefferson, it's finding ways to battle that, that even go beyond this year because he's going to continue to face it. And one of the things that he went up against that I'm sure that everybody took notice of 
last year was Jair Alexander pressed him and played him super physical. And Jeff Okuda actually did the same thing. And, you know, by super physical, I also mean a little illegal, if not very illegal, but they're not going to call it all the time. So that's life. And that's also every single elite wide receiver faces that press coverage. And I know that Kevin O'Connell talks about, well, you know, we're going to move him around and everything else, but you have Jordan Addison that probably needs to spend a lot of time in the slot. You have KJ Osborne, who's been way more successful in the slot than outside statistically. You have uh, a tight end in TJ Hawkinson that also needs to move around a lot um, and only plays about 50% in line. So a lot of times you're going to have Justin Jefferson as the true outside wide receiver. And if teams are going to press him, he has to be able to beat it. Now that's not to say that he hasn't been beating it, but the best corner in the league was able to slow him down and Jair Alexander and maybe wear the right cleats next time. I don't know, but it's just that, that I think that there's going to be so much of that next year that you got to find a way to work through that. And that's why I was uh, writing about with Mike Clay's projections. He has Jefferson regressing by a couple hundred yards. And I actually agree with that. I I think that the ball can be spread out more than it was last year for one, but also every year it gets harder. And we see even elite wide receivers, you know, Jerry Rice did not reproduce 2000 yards or whatever, every single season or whatever his career high was like 18 or 1900 yards. Yeah. Didn't, didn't do that every single season. And the same thing goes for Kelvin Johnson. He has the all-time record, but he didn't get the all-time record every year, and neither does Cooper Cup. So there's always going to be those adjustments, and he could be better, but his fantasy stats aren't better, but we'll know it by seeing him and what the coaches say and everything else. So I do agree that he can continue to improve. Um, Justin Fields is the player that comes to mind Mm -hmm. right away, and uh, Matthew brings this up in the comments. Where the ceiling is is a great discussion, though, because – Will he be able to improve enough to the point where it's not just, can you be a good enough passer? It's it. Is there even potential there to say he could be an above average passer? Because after uh, Josh Allen's first couple of seasons, and I know this is just going to be the guy that gets brought up every time, but season three is uh, season three and four are huge for the quarterback's progression. And, you know, they, basically said by not drafting Bryce Young number one and trading out of that pick that we believe he's taking a step. So that step has to be big. And with Josh Allen, I never would have guessed that he would make the step that he did. Of course, it was helped out by having Stephon Diggs. Is DJ Moore a Stephon Diggs? I don't think so, but I do think he's good and that their weapons are now better, but not to the point where they're just going to drag him there. I think the processing issue is going to continue to be there. The sacks will probably continue to be there still with his athleticism and arm talent, raw arm talent, the ceiling. And that doesn't mean there's a great percentage chance that you hit it, but the ceiling has to be ridiculously high. The ceiling is he's a top five quarterback in the league, but the percentage of chance of hitting the ceiling is not that high. I guess that's the way I would look at it is it's a little more complicated than just like, Oh, well, you know, if he, if it hits, it hits and he's great. Or if it doesn't like the, the most likely scenario, the, you know, 50th percentile scenario or however you want to put it is that he becomes a better passer with better weapons and a better offensive line. And he starts to win them games, but still has these weaknesses that are drawbacks. And by the end of the year, Chicago is talking about like, do we want to give him that big extension? Are we sure? But the running does balance that quite a bit. 
the standard for how good you have to be passing when you can run for a thousand yards is much lower. And, uh, you know, we saw that from Mike Vick years ago, if he could be Mike Vick, which he put up running yards, like Mike Vick, Vick was not the best in terms of completion percentage, had a rocket arm, big plays and won a lot of football games by running the ball and not always being the best passer. So it's, it is crazy to say that someone's ceiling is Mike Vick, but that truly might be for Justin Fields based on what we saw last year. It was crazy with Justin Fields. The first five or six weeks of last year, whatever it was before they played the Vikings, Mm -hmm. this man had no interest in running, like just none. You would not have known that he had that in him. And then all of a sudden the light went on, of course, against the Vikings. And uh, (laughs) then he becomes what he becomes. The other player I thought of, because you're right, you could go back through draft classes and go, well, this guy hasn't made it yet. This guy, uh, Chris Olave of the New Orleans Saints, really impressed with him last year with Andy Dalton throwing him the sports ball. And I think Derek Carr throwing him the sports ball will be a lot more successful and uh, I, I don't know if he could be better than Garrett Wilson, but those two can continue to go like this. And I think he could be like a hundred catch guy for them as he kind of takes over that role as uh, the centerpiece of their team. So an interesting discussion. And there's a lot of other players that we could talk about, but those are a few. Uh, next question I had for you is Colt McCoy is going to start for the Cardinals this year. How about that? What a career for Colt McCoy. Uh, I want you to give me the quarterback who you were most shocked that they ever succeeded and who you would be most surprised if they had success this year? Because for me, clearly the guy I would be the most surprised by is Colt McCoy. Um, because <laughs> that team is horrendous. The coach has never coached before. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of Colt McCoy in his career, and he is very much Colt McCoy. So um, that's number one for me. What are your answers? Uh, for the guy that uh, I was surprised the most that they succeeded. It's got to be Case Keenum. I mean, he's number one there. You didn't expect him to go and have the season that he had in 2017. I mean, that, yeah, he had the pieces around him uh, to be able to succeed, but to be able to do that week in and week out with a head coach that kind of wanted to just get you off the field as quick as possible, week in and week out, and was kind of saying it at the podium as well, uh, that's that's a lot of pressure for a guy, especially as the pressure mounts throughout the season as your team continues to do well, continues to win, and continues to climb up the standings in the NFC. Uh, Case Keenum, number one in that department for me. Uh, the guy I'd be most surprised if they succeeded this year, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he's got great pieces around him, but he's had those. He had those in Los Angeles, didn't do so much. I mean, yeah, it's a middle of the season switch for him, but he's also had he's also been given opportunity after opportunity to do something and he just hasn't been able to put it together in the NFL. So he's one of them. I want to say Anthony Richardson, not because I don't like him. I really do like him as a quarterback, but that Indianapolis team is just rough around him. I don't know that it's going to be that good this year. And I'm hoping they slow play it just for his own sake. And that uh, the pressure doesn't get mounted on him uh, because it just doesn't look good right off the bat. I want, I want him to succeed, but it just that the rest of that Indianapolis team doesn't, scream a team that's going to do well. And so getting Gardner Minshew in there, probably the smart idea, let him kind of take the early beatings and then bring in uh, Anthony Richardson when you feel he's ready. So I think if Richardson succeeds this year, that's a huge bonus for Indianapolis. Indianapolis. I think it'd be really awesome if he did. Um, I think uh, for me, it probably has to be Rich Gannon 
because <laughs> yeah I, what, okay so when i was young i had a lot of football cards and stuff and i remember having some rich gannon like kansas city chief cards and vikings cards and you play video games and he was a backup quarterback or he was rated pretty poorly. And you're like, okay, whatever. I don't remember five games of seeing him as a kid, but there was, he was just never in my view at all as someone that I was thinking about. And this is being totally nuts for the NFL, but never really thought of Rich Gannon for anything. And then all of a sudden the guy goes to the Raiders and goes completely nuts, especially in 2003, winning the MVP. Like, okay, I would have never, I mean, there, there, and back then there were so many journeyman quarterbacks. There yeah. were so many journeyman starters that you would have this guy go to this team and this guy go to that team and be like, oh yeah, okay. That team's not serious about winning or whatever. And they're just trying to fill that spot. And oh, they, they're, they're a team that has rich Gannon starting. Like who cares? And, and then the man just figured it all out and had uh, John Gruden's offense and great weapons and incredible offensive line and must have developed along the way quite a bit. And uh, it didn't last that long, only a couple of seasons, but I never saw that coming in like a million years. Because you could say Kurt Warner, but I never even heard of Kurt Warner. Yeah. But I, I'm talking about when the team goes into that season, you go, oh, you know, Rich Gannon, I don't know. <laughs> like I, I'm not worried about them at all. Um, there's a few, you know, there's a few guys like that. I mean, the Carolina Panthers once upon a time with Jake DeLome that I could mm-hmm. not have predicted that Jake DeLome would have made a Super Bowl. I uh, was a fun player to watch. So there are those randoms that kind of step up like that, that you never expect, but that was the one that surprised me the most. Uh, as far as, uh, what was the other part of the question? Oh, I already answered the other part of the question, yeah. but, um, you know, in terms of their, like, who would be a little bit surprising to me that actually could step up. You mentioned Anthony Richardson. You could see it because he has the talent to do it. Desmond Ritter is the guy for me. And I just want to preface by saying nobody knows nothing when it comes to quarterbacks. (laughs) So if I'm wrong about this, then, you know, if you're listening, there's a big old shrug happens. I just don't see it. I just, I just don't get yeah. it. Like I didn't see it in college. I didn't see it last year. And I don't know what I'm supposed to be seeing. I, if, if I'm Atlanta, I'm calling the Vikings, like maybe send a text or use WhatsApp or something. So nobody finds <laughs> out. I was like, Hey, are you guys getting rid of Kirk? Cause like, you know, we could probably use a real quarter. They have so many weapons. They have yeah. drafted all these guys. Drake London had a good season last year. Someone throw the ball to Kyle Pitts, for God's sake. Bijan Robinson, Patterson is there. Some other running back who had like a thousand yards and an offensive line that they've built up. They got everything there. And mm-hmm. they got a dude who I don't know can actually be an NFL quarterback. You're kind of wasting a year where your team might actually be good in a division that's not that impressive. They're weird to me. And I don't really understand why they, uh, yeah handled things the way they did that division's there for the taking it is very much nfc northish where there's a couple teams where like they could make that run and take that division but then there's just the bottom of the barrel but it's the atlanta falcons have everything as you said to put something special together this season and they're going with desmond ritter which is really confusing we talked about it when uh Derek carr was on the market and kind of shopping himself around that would have been a great spot for Derek carr to go he chose the saints also another good spot for them because they've got receivers there as well. But the Falcons were there. They had a good enough draft pick to go up and get one of these guys. And they just like, we like this Desmond Ritter guy. You guys don't trust us, but he's here and he's going to do good. And it's like, is he though? He didn't do that well in college. He wasn't that great. He was 
third, fourth round. I don't even remember what third round, third round, third round draft pick. You're really banking your franchise on a third round draft pick when you could have gone up and got one of these top draft, one of these top quarterback prospects from this year or gone out and signed a quarterback on the, the free agent market or traded for one. That's a, that's a really risky call for them in Atlanta. Seems like they should have tried to jump ahead of Carolina to try to get that number one overall pick because Bryce Young with a lot of ballers there could be pretty fun. Uh, So to finish the show, I've got some match game for you just based on pro football talk headlines, because I mean, I respect the fact that they continue to have headlines at this time of year, but some of them come off as uh, a little inane, I would say. So I made match games out of those. So all of you watching jump in the comments and give your answers to these obviously as a joke, like your joke answers. And then I'll tell you what the real answer is. And the real answer is less funny. So give your jokes. All right. uh, This is a headline, Matt Stafford. And then the colon, we feel confident in blank. What does Matt Stafford feel confident in? Nothing. He's always injured. So it's, it's never anything that he's confident in because he's always nervous about what's around the corner for him. So nothing. I was going to say his beard game that, you know, <laughs> that is Matt, a good one. Yeah. Stafford was uh, early in, in his career kind of looked like me where he looked like he had no ability whatsoever to grow a beard. And then once he did, it looked pretty solid. I mean, a little scruff, but you yeah. know, a little kind of scraggly, but that's okay. You're a quarterback. You're supposed to be a gunslinger. I would also say if you were doing a little more serious, like confident in, I don't know, throwing the ball through a brick wall, <laughs> yes. um, confident that he will be stuck in traffic would be another one because it's Los Angeles. So anyway, you can share your LA jokes, but the answer to that question is Van Jefferson. Fantastic. He is confident in Van Jefferson. What a time to be alive. (laughs) These only get better by the way. Uh, This headline from pro football talk, D'Amico Ryan's the Texans are in blank purgatory. Purgatory. Well, I was gonna go hell like that. <laughs> that <too>. We both. <laughs> yeah, uh, it... a, a callback from Derek with the uh, Matt Stafford helping fallen maidens while drunk at the parade. <laughs> yeah, that uh, the, the reporter fell, and I think yeah. she got pretty badly hurt, and he kind of just wandered off. But you know, <laughs> uh, not not the greatest look for uh, Matthew Stafford. But uh, yeah, I think uh, the Texans realistically. They're, that's not really true. Like they're not, I, this off season was pretty good for them. Yeah. Uh, no man's land would be another answer. The Texans are in, actually the Texans are in the NFL would be an answer. <laughs> the Texans are in Texas. Just as a reminder to everyone that the Texans are indeed in the NFL. <laughs> the uh, correct answer from the headline is a really good spot. All right. It's that's what I'm saying. Like, do people click this? <laughs> this is the ultimate of offseason headlines. I just want to know the football fan who's like, oh, really? Let's see what else he had to say. And that's color me intrigued. But, yeah, right. Tell me more uh, about how he thinks they're in a good spot. But I guess, you know, they are uh, long term, just not today. All right. Gardner Minshew says Anthony Richardson has been blank. Good. Here, well, that's not funny. I don't know. You can do better than that. That's that's like a real headline. You're not trying to guess the real headline. <laughs> trying to make a joke. Anthony Richardson has been fast. 
I don't know. I don't know what to do for this one. You did fine on the first couple. This is a disaster. I'm struggling for this one. I don't know why. I I was going to say in the bathroom a while. Like (laughs) Anthony Richardson has been blank uh, in the bathroom a while. That's that's what he is. Have you not watched Match Game on the Game Show channel? Come on. Help me out here, people. (laughs) Who's still watching? Us. Uh, The answer is... (laughs) The answer is improving steadily. That's again just mind again, blowing, I'm intrigued. Mind I'm blowing stuff here at summer headlines are too good. Uh all right. Nick Bosa, people don't know how good blank is. Hmm. How good I again I'm struggling with this one. You may have to go and I'm gonna have to think of think of an answer here. I went with uh, steamed clams. Is what I want. The people don't know how good steamed clams. Well, it's is or whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This game doesn't matter. (laughs) Like I just, it would be a great headline if he was talking about like some very random food item. Now that I might click on, it'd be like, oh, steamed hams or steamed clams, not steamed hams, which was a Simpsons joke. Are you just opting out of these answers at this point? I part of me wants to answer them. Part of me is nervous that you're going to make fun of me again. So. I, I also gave these to you beforehand. I didn't tell I you the real answers, but I gave you the options. Show prep. <laughs> I did show prep, but now you're making fun of me. So now I'm nervous. Well, what did you write? What did you, what did you say? How good money is because he's about to be paid. Okay. That's good. See, that's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> you don't have to come up with brilliance of like steamed clams. <laughs> Uh, it's Javon Hargrave. People don't know how okay. good Javon Hargrave is. I, I think, I actually think people know how good, they saw his contract. They know how good yeah. Javon Hargrave is. All right. Patrick Peterson said, we have the pieces. It's going to come down to blank. It's going to come down to Mike Tomlin, not tripping a kick returner again. Oh, I like that. See, that's a great answer. There you go. You're, you're back at it. You're like, um, you're like Byron Buxton. You sort of, uh, you get hot and then you hurt yourself and then <laughs> you come back eventually strong. And we think that you've got the potential. I got to read. But the then you can't play center again. field again. No, 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 no. Never again. You have the pieces. <laughs> it's going to come down to, I went, uh, the wind direction. It's going to come down to the wind direction <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Very windy there in Pittsburgh. It's going to come down to the wind direction. Uh, Kenny Pickett going to come down to Kenny Pickett. It's going to surprise, surprise. A, a hot take. It's going to come down to the quarterback. I apologize to everyone for this. And I don't know why none of you played along in the comments, but uh, you're all, they fired. were nervous just like I was. Maybe so. that's it. Maybe they thought they were going to get made fun of. Um, so anyway, well, that bit was so bad that I were going to continue it every Tuesday when we look at uh, pro football talk headlines that are just, I, it's a useful tool to know what's going on around the league. I'm not like, go, I mean, you could do this with any website, NFL.com or whatever, but by far the most who cares of all time is that Twitter account. So anyway, um, in the summer, I mean, thank you all for watching. <laughs> this was, <laughs> I'm just looking at their headlines now. Just thinking of some more of these. This is just it's, every single, every single one is just like breathtakingly boring. Like you, you could not intentionally try to be more dull. <laughs> Deion Sanders, I won't coach in the NFL because I'm too old school, apparently. 
Oh yeah, yeah. He could have yeah, come yeah. up with something way better than that for Deion Sanders. Yeah. The Seahawks will open nine training camp practices <laughs> to fans. It's great. <laughs> I, I'm sure everyone will have a great time. It, that is a news item. All right. So anyway, all right. Summer okay. headlines. <laughs> you know what? Maybe next week I will write some myself that are fake. And then well, you'll have to guess which one Ooh, is an actual like pro football talk uh, summer headline. So, all right. Well, thanks for your time, Jonathan, as always. And uh, we will be here every Tuesday night, even though it is the summertime. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun as always. And uh, also debuting a new bit on the podcast, which is our random old game. So just we pick a random old game, talk about it, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Submit your uh, questions to purpleinsider.com for fans only podcasts. Plenty to go for that uh, of time to answer your questions. So there you have it. And thanks, everybody. We'll do this again very soon, but not the last part. We won't do that again soon.